Hello, and welcome to Future People Podcast. I'm your host, Imani Walker, and I'm so excited to share this new show with you. Future People Podcast will feature conversations with community leaders and creatives really making a difference in their industries. I'm speaking with people who think outside the box and are imagining a bright future for themselves and the people around them. A bit about me, I'm a journalist, I work with CBC News and CBC Radio, and through this work, I've been able to share stories from racialized communities in Toronto and the GTA. I've worked on politics, news from the front lines through the pandemic, and now I'm focused on my own storytelling. I can't wait to share these holistic conversations with you for season one. We have some amazing guests lined up, so stay tuned for the first episode of Future People Podcast. Our first guest for the series is Nathan Baia. I spoke with him while recovering from a terrible cold, so bear with me because your girl was sick. Um, But Nathan is an artist, community advocate, and the founder of Jane Street Speaks, who's providing local artists a platform to express themselves and really shine their light. This is my conversation with Nathan Baia. Welcome to the podcast, Nathan Baia. <laughs> Nathan really stuck out to me because I found out about him through his work with Jane Street Speaks. And I was like, I love this concept of just baking up the people in your community. And like the fact that you, I mean, you had the whole exhibit you you really put in the work to really like it's not just like a oh good job you really put in the work to big these people up um tell me a bit about like how that started and what you were seeing in your community that inspired you to organize for jane street speaks well essentially first off thank you for the beautiful introduction and congratulations (laughs) on this podcast um most so basically um when it came to jane street speaks you know, just the title of it alone, Jane Street Speaks, I always felt like Jane and Finch was a community that was spoken for, but never got to speak for itself. And nine times out of 10, when positive things are happening, like me and you on this podcast, um, which is Black Excellence, um, you know, the media sometimes tends not to be there, right? So, and they tend to only pop up when there's negative things that happen. So I decided, you know what, let me create Jane Street Speaks so Jane and Finch can get a chance to speak for itself. And it also tied into the fact that I'm an artist and similar to the working field, no one wants to book you unless you've had prior experience. But if you don't get the experience, you have experience. So I just realized, you know what? No one wants to book me because I'm local. Let me book myself. I put on my own shows. A few people from the community said, can I perform as well? And I'm like, okay, I can't have everybody open up for me. So I decided to open up an open mic. And then everybody could do their thing. And it was truly the essence of Jane Street Speaks and how the exhibition came about was, you know, the city had just noticed what I was doing with Jane and Finch Mall. And to give context with Jane and Finch Mall, I was just um, putting up quotes of different people who live in the community, give that representation of the community within community. And then the city caught on to it, gave me an exhibition. And then 
someone from media gave us a story. <laughs> and I just want to say publicly, thank you so much for, you know, getting us on CBC and, um, you know, just using your power and privilege over there to get the right stories out because that was an incredible story. You don't really hear too many Jane and Finch stories come out in that positive of fashion. So I really do appreciate that, fam. Of course, of course. And I think like what really drew me to the work that you were doing was the fact that like at a time when it's just so easy to have this individualistic mindset, you were out here really thinking about your community. Why? Like, why is it so important for you to really lead with this community-driven mindset? I would say that due to capitalism, the structure of the world forces us to be individualistic and think for self financially, just because there's not enough money to spread. Um, And I think in terms of like your heart, like if you're a person who's community oriented, you're always going to want to look out for other people. And I think that for me, what allows me to not be individualistic is because we are stronger together than separated. Um, you know, there's strength in numbers. If me and you help each other out, then there's more that we can accomplish. And I think, unfortunately, in Toronto, sometimes it's a bit of a crab in the barrel mentality. While you see America is able to thrive a bit better because they have a bit more of a structure and a team. So I think for me, the reason why I try my best to avoid an individualistic thought pattern, because you can go fast on your own, but you can't go far. But Mm -hmm. with a team of people who have the same intention that you have, that they know their purpose, they know how to bring their light through their poetry, through their day-to-day. They just need to be out there. If I share your stuff and you share mine, then you share me to your friend, I share me to my friend. So at the end of the day, one, I love people. I love my community. I love, you know, I love highlighting people that deserve to be highlighted. Mm -hmm. But most importantly, I do think there is strength in unity, which is what, you know, pushes me to be less individualistic and more community. But for those who are even individualistic, I give them some form of grace because I know that money does play an impact into not allowing you to think for others, you know, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm happy that my heart had, you know, sometimes just the power of manifestation, you know, I said I wanted mm-hmm. to make it happen. It didn't happen in big fashion, but mm-hmm. definitely. Mm. It's so interesting because it feels like community is something that's like top of your mind at what seems to be all times. Like how mm-hmm. much of a role does community play in your day-to-day life? Well, I would say like I was truly raised in community and community took care of me my whole life. Community gave me my first job, my first performance, showed me that I'm an artist. So like I have so much of my life to give back to community and especially the Jane Finch community. And I think it's taken care of me my whole life. <laughs> um, you know, I've definitely built a character around it. And, you know, I, I'm blessed. It's, it's almost like every young Black child gets a bit of civil rights activists in their life. And I think um, for me, that was community. And I would say how it plays an impact in my day to day. It just showcases in how I move. I really, I'm really far from a selfish person. I'm really giving. Um, and, you know, as Leo's, you know, we're really giving and loving. I mean, you have Leo spoken gang. about... <laughs> me, me and you have spoken about that capacity that mm-hmm. we have to accept that we are very loving and giving, but, you know, so I would say community has made me very giving and life has taught me to be very intelligent on how to give, you know, that balance between filling other people's cup 
but fill in your cup as well. Mm. Caffeine, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> you got that Timmy's cup in hand. I wonder, you talk about, you know, filling your cup, filling others' cup, you know, finding that balance. Who are some of the people? You could you could give some shout outs. Who are some of the right, people right, right. in the family even that you've been able to form that, you know, you've been able to pour into and equally you get mm. back? Right, right. You know what? Um, great question. And I would say everything, it's hard to become what you don't see. And mm. everything I became, I've seen from another member of my community. Mm-hmm. So Kofi Frempong created Freedom Fridays, which was an open mic that's every last Friday of the month. Randall Ajay, who is now Ontario's first poet laureate, created Rise, which mm. is every Monday. And I started to see, I'm like, yo, Randell's doing his thing for Scarborough. Kofi has his thing for Jane and Finch, but it's almost, it's every Friday of the month and it's kind of, kind of dying out now. I'm mm-hmm. like, I want to be the founder of something, you know, like just the fact that I knew Randell's a founder, Kofi's a founder, you know, I'm like, I got to be the founder of something. So, when I, so a lot of the times I look at it like it's a circle of inspiration where it's like, simply by you living in your light, you are influencing others to live in your light as well. Mm-hmm. So I would genuinely say I'm, I'm definitely going to shout out Kofi and Randall because I would not care to be the founder of something if, they, if I hadn't seen them be it mm-hmm. and then understand what that means for me. And I hope that somebody else will see me create something like a Jane Street Speaks and say, what can I do for my community? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because I'm not the only, just because I have Jane Street Speaks doesn't mean I'm the only person who can do for the Jane Street community. We can all collaborate. We can all decide in the third, but genuinely, I'm going to give it up to those two guys for kind of starting me off on that organizational path, mm-hmm. because through that, I've been able to accomplish a lot more, and I genuinely now have a business to run. Mm. So I'm just thankful what I was able to do through that, and I, and I have serious hopes that James Three Speaks will become a very monumental and big thing for the James Fish community over the years. I think it is, we're already influential enough to be in the mall. So we're just going to take it more from there, you know? Exactly. Exactly. No, yeah. you're making big moves with it already. And appreciate, um, it, appreciate it. I can't wait to see what you do next. And that it's interesting that you pointed to two other great community mm-hmm. leaders who are also like Black men. Mm-hmm. I just wonder, like for Black men specifically, forming communities that like uplift and support each other, do you find that's an easy thing to do? I mean, I know you are like rooted in your in your community, in your neighborhood. And so you form these connections. But for the other men in your life that you know of, like, is that actually an easy thing to do to build a, an uplifting, positive community? Yeah, you know, great question again. And I would say to that, um, it's a balance. You know, not everybody is as open to community because they may be suffering from a crab in the bear mentality, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say as far as other Black men, I've gotten the opportunity to actually host uh, sessions with just Black men. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I had a father's group. Mm-hmm. I'm a father myself. And it was just a father's group where every Saturday it was just a bunch of Black men sitting and talking. Shout and out when to you, Imani. Yeah, shout out to you, Imani. Shout out to your daughter. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, and I think like when you have a bunch of men who, and you make it a safe space for everybody to be vulnerable, mm-hmm. you get a chance to see how much you truly relate to other men and how much brotherhood is important. Just because me and this brother don't have the same mother does not mean he's not my brother. He experiences the same hardships as a black man that I experienced. 
Mm. And I think for the longest time, it was a struggling thing for men to be friends with other men. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't a cool thing. Your level of coolness is associated to how much women you had around you. And now that I'm now that I'm older, to that I would say girls have girlfriends for a reason. They need to talk about what they go through. Similar right. to why men need to also have other men in their life. Because sure, the opposite sex can understand you, but who can like you can talk to me about your period, but I don't feel your pain. <laughs> you know what I mean? You don't. But <laughs> another girl, another girl will. So she right. can sympathize with you a bit more. Mm-hmm. And just that feeling of feeling understood by another person period regardless of gender is Mm -hmm. from there you just feel warm and welcomed you know what I mean so I would say as long as I or whoever makes it a safe space when men link up to build together it'll work fine even Mm -hmm. if there's hiccups down the line you'll even see the struggle that that brother is experiencing and be able to guide him and be like nah trust I did that I did not go well but it's just a brotherhood and building. The only way I could see it not working well if it's a non-safe space where mm. other men feel like their masculinity is threatened when they're speaking. That's mm. not going to work well, you know? Mm-hmm. But outside of that, yeah. You know, it's so common for us to talk about mental health and wellness, but like in relation to the Black community and then even more specifically for Black men, like it's not commonly talked about. And I just mm-hmm. wonder, even maybe in your own journey, looking at, at at that part of you, what that's been like? Mm. Well, genuinely, how I led the sessions was I literally went based off of of scenarios that I was experiencing in my life and kind of Mm. made curriculum around it because Mm. I'm like, a struggle only remains a struggle until you open up about it and leave room for options or solutions. And I felt like my struggles as a young dad, you know, between co-parenting and parenting and all these kind of things, I was able to truly create curriculum around it. And what that looked like was, you know, how to take care of yourself and child. Because as you can see, many parents are burnt out, but the kid looks great, but they look terrible. <laughs> you know, and that that is to be said because it's a lack of self-care. As much as you take care of your kid, you got to take care of you too. And mm-hmm. I think inherently what that teaches your children is, I got to take care of myself. You know, mm-hmm. like it's, their, it's his responsibility to take care of me for now. But at the end, roles are going to reverse and it's going to be me to take care of me and me showing you what that looks like for me, right? Mm-hmm. And I think from there, you have two parent and child that are in wellness together. They're mm-hmm. both well because they both understand this is what we need to be well, you know? And beyond mm-hmm. that, and, you know, conversations about what does co-parenting look like? What does staying together look like? And just trying to give men, one, just a conversation, the ability to express yourself because men don't get the opportunity to express themselves enough on an emotional level. But most importantly, anything from self-care to self-love to self to guidance or whatever, like anything that people swear they think men don't think about, yes, everything in there. Because we have a masculine gene and we have a feminine gene and we are, a, we are allowed to express that, but it's not noticed. Even if, just as a quick joke, even if you look at how things are promoted to us, like for women, it'll be like love soap, filled with silk and fashion and then for a minute it'll be like here's a bar of soap <laughs> literally you know <laughs> which is so like just as harmful i think for the woman's side of it as it is for mm-hmm. the men's side right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. you know i was scrolling through your instagram or one of your social pages and i saw this quote that you posted don't mm-hmm. fake it till you make it face mm-hmm. it till you make it what does mm-hmm. that mean to you 
I think a lot of people have imposter syndrome. And mm. I think to daily put on a performance when you leave your house is a lot of work. Sorry for the ad libs in the background. <laughs> but either way, um, yeah, once again, like performing when you leave your house is a lot of work. And I feel like you got to get to a space with yourself where you are real and honest with yourself about who you are and find a way to navigate that in today's society without feeling like you're fake or this, that, and the third. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. I think that has a lot to do with self-love. So it can be taken in many different fashions, you know? Fake it till you make it. Could You know, it could be taken in many different fashions. But for me, it's like, yeah, you can be you and find out how to navigate life being you. And if people around you don't like you, then why are they around you? You know what I mean? Period. That's, yeah. So, <laughs> if that, so if you're around people that you got to be a fake version of yourself, then, you know, you might want to reevaluate the kind of friends you want to be around. Mm. Yeah. And as you speak, like, I can hear your daughter speaking in the background. Um, shout out to her again. I, I wonder, like, how much has becoming a father played a role in your growth and your healing because <laughs> you're still pretty young like you're 20 you're turning 24 this year yeah turning 25 turning yeah. 25 this year yeah exactly so you're still pretty young like how much has has she played a role in who you are now today man i had her at 21 mm -hmm. 24 now jesus i've lived a long life huh <laughs> um <laughs> you know i think fatherhood will um mature you mm. i think like you know just currently right now even being in my apartment if you told me that hey at 24 you're gonna have a two-year-old in your own house and you know all these things i'm like wow like i didn't see this as an option possible because even growing up in community we barely had money for bus fare you know <laughs> we mm. it was just we were just in such a poverty mindset and i think when i had a daughter i had to go from a poverty artist lifestyle to saying this is not cool anymore because mm -hmm. I'm responsible of another person now, you mm -hmm. know, so it's not cool to be on your last $10, but use it to go to the studio, you know, it's like <laughs> a lot of a lot of artists and a lot of entrepreneurs are living the life where they tend to always be broke because they're always investing into their art, you know mm -hmm. what I mean, mm -hmm. and I think like what it did for me was show me like okay money holds a different space of importance in our life now. And things like budgeting, marketing, planning, all the things that a lot of entrepreneurs fail to do because they're just in a rush to put out content. Mm -hmm. Being a father matures you in the perspective of, I can't make a move if it's not impactful. You mm -hmm. know, like my, my whole career is at a different standpoint. Like what I do has to land something. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So I think it just, it just made my life... Um, much more important because I knew I am directly linked and responsible for another child, another member of society. And I think that alone just forces you to be responsible, you know? And I think it's, it's it, I call it growing pain because mm. they say that a man fully matures when he reaches the age of 25. And mm -hmm. there is no other year in my life that I've gone through more self-discovery because I think a lot of dads do struggle because it's a gradual stage, you know, like you go, you might go from irresponsible to responsible and you're going to slowly get better. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. fatherhood has just changed me in the perspective to also like, you know, to know that I'm speaking to another woman right now mm -hmm. and my daughter is a woman. It just makes me respect women even more. Cause I'm like, I want that good karma 
to come back. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. it's 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 very impactful. It's mm. it's it's life it's life changing. Like I just imagine, like think about how free your head is, and then think about someone permanently living in your head. <laughs> it's, it's that's what it is. When you're not a when you're not a parent, you're a bit more. I'm not saying you're immature, but you're a lot more freeing in your brain, right? You mm. you can go out to party, you can do whatever you want, mm-hmm. and not really think about how does this affect this person. You know, mm-hmm. though you gotta balance it out, and sometimes just. Not forget you're a parent, but give yourself a night out with no guilt. But it keeps you on your toes, man. I'm, yeah. Hmm. yeah. What What are some of those, you talked about self-discovery there. What are some of those, mm. the truths that you've learned about yourself as your own person, like as, as, mm. as an individual, what have you been learning about yourself through this, this year of life? I've learned that God has given me a purpose that is very large. Mm. And sometimes your head may not feel like it's befitting of the crown God's trying to give you, mm. but more the more and more you live, you'll realize there's no running away from your purpose. Mm. No matter what you try to do, your purpose will always come back to your door and be like, hey, where, where, where are you at now? And I think the last thing you want to do is have a moment where you remember who you are and and be so far away from who you're supposed to be you know what I mean mm-hmm. like me and you spoke about the concept of this podcast a few months ago right <laughs> and you and you're here today mm-hmm. the last thing you want is to be here today and someone tells you about a new podcast and you're like damn I haven't started mine yet you know exactly because yeah. over time now it's like oh my god I'm, and now you don't want a moment when you're like 40 someone reminds you hey aren't don't what, can I can I book you for a show when you're like oh my god I haven't done music in two months and this person just asked me for a show oh my god I'm an artist wow I haven't committed to my art and you're gonna go through sadness but I truly think people stop and start stop and start because you know maybe expectations maybe you didn't like the views you got the likes you got the lack of comments or whatever that is artificial that is tearing you away from what you love to do you know mm-hmm. and I think to that I would say like the biggest self-discovery moment I had is that my community, my ties to community, my ties to art, my ability to speak, my pen, my poetry, everything, I'm a vessel of the Lord. And the Lord is truly allowing me to spread truth to the masses in the fashion that I'm comfortable. And when I say the Lord, you know, I'm not talking Jesus, I'm not talking Allah, I'm just speaking openly, you know, Mm. that like anybody with a purpose, even you, for you to be able to say let me highlight this story let me highlight that story and turn around to create your own platform you're living in your purpose and there's something to be said about that you know what I mean so Mm -hmm. the biggest self-discovery is like yo I don't care if you're depressed insecure sad mad whatever that you are please do not stray far away from your purpose or else it's going to constantly come back to you and then you're going to constantly have to deal with the fact that you're not there (laughs) you know and, no, you, you know, preaching right now. You you taking you're taking me to church right now. That may have that may have been the sermon that I needed to hear. An interesting point that you just made is like, mm, like maybe you're not putting out the work because you know you feel like you're not getting enough support. Scared, yes. You know? yes. and yes. I wonder, like the whole concept behind Jane Street Speaks is like support local before supporting global (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what does that like mean to you now like especially amid you know times when 
celebrity influence is at an all-time high and fuels everything everybody talking about will smith and that slap <laughs> we talking about Every- will smith and that slap and <laughs> everybody's so which we won't talk about on this cake. show <laughs> <laughs> no for don't worry i know everybody's so motivated to give a hot take but i'm good right um, oh but what's your take no joke <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> i think um the concept behind support local before global was genius because as we just spoke about some people are not putting out content out of fear of the reaction you know lack of support or support and i think what support local before global does is allow a community of people to say i don't care if you have one like i'm not even analyzing your likes or your comments you're just a dope person and i'm not afraid to compliment you you know what Mm -hmm. i mean it allows for an energy to be loving and i think if we build our confidence over our content more inner than outer mm-hmm. then we will have better results i've gotten to a point now where man if i when i make an instagram post i said man whoever likes it i'm thankful whoever right. comments i'm thankful mm-hmm. if it's one person thank you you didn't have to do that you did not have to take time out of your day to like this post or comment or just like it at all mm-hmm. you know I think I've gone to that point of maturity because when you're a kid, of course you want, you know, and that, and, and I think now that you're in a, now that I'm an adult, mm-hmm. honestly, guys, if you guys want more comments, like, or whatever, whatever you want, what about study marketing, you know, because at the end of the day, the reality of this stuff is it's like, it's not by luck. Like we can't just make an Instagram post and hope people see it. We already know the Instagram algorithm's fighting us. This, that, mm-hmm. and the third, you know what I mean? So I would also encourage creatives, hey, there's nothing wrong with wanting views, likes, and comments. I know sometimes we try to make it seem like, oh man, don't worry about that stuff. It's okay. You want to feel validated for your work, but you mm-hmm. got to get the work to the people, wherever mm-hmm. the people are located. And that's definitely something I'm going to work on myself this year. Because yes, we are support local before global, but the goal is to go to a global standpoint. And I think throughout that journey, we need to support each other as a team, but maybe all creators need to truly sit down and say, okay, like what does marketing even mean? What does marketing look like? Maybe me just making a post isn't isn't the most impactful thing to launch my business, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think entrepreneurs have not gotten into that conversation yet because a lot of people have said, no one likes it. I'm depressed. I'm going to quit. Right. But stronger people have said, okay, is it that no one likes it or no one's getting access to it? Mm-hmm. You know, is it that no one likes it or no one is seeing it? Because right. that could be a real thing. And on top of that, too, there's something for everybody. I personally don't like a certain artist. You may love them. They should make you your target audience and not me. So I promise you, there's somebody out there that likes your voice, your words, your energy, your vibe. There's somebody that really connects to you. You just got to find where they're at. And that just means marketing, man. And I think I, I'm really saying this to just inform people that like, we've all been through it, man. Oh man, it didn't do good numbers. Well, what did you do? I just posted it. <laughs> and I assumed the world would love it. You know what I mean? So mm. being older now has definitely made me think more strategically, which is what I was showing you by being a father. I'm like, my mood's got to be impactful. I can't just be doing a bunch of moves, but running around in the same circle. I'm really making progress, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's true. And I think also like over time, you know, if you're not finding the right tribe or the right community to support you right away they'll the, yeah. if you keep doing it authentically like they will come mm-hmm. to you they will find you um mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I also do think there's something to be said about the way that we 
look at, I think, celeb culture in, in relation to the way that we look at the people around us and how right. like, oh yeah, it's fine that like, you know, the celebrity posted this picture or put themselves out there in this way because we expect mm. that of celebrities. But, right. you know, God forbid someone around <laughs> you step out of the box and do something differently. And I was like, oh, yeah. who do they think they are? you know yeah yeah like what can we do to like really reframe the way that we look at celebrities as like these idols (laughs) Mm -hmm. and actually like start to view our community in a way that you know not only says that we support them but like we give them the grace as well to to show up and, and take those risks and and do those things on that on that big level the answer is as simple is that it starts with your friends. Mm. It starts with the ability to see light in those around you. Um, and I truly believe that like, um, just not being afraid to compliment people is a big thing. If you notice, Randall has come up with it. Like we've been all talking about the concept of flowers, the concept of giving people flowers and receiving flowers. And at the end of every workshop that I do, mm-hmm. I do a I do a game where I said, tell me about someone who inspires you that is living and tell me somebody who inspired you that passed away. Mm-hmm. In other words, we want to give our ancestors their flowers as if we're putting it on their grave. But we also mm-hmm. want to give people like you their flowers while you're able to smell and breathe them. Mm-hmm. And I truly believe how we reframe the view of things is by like, I look at my friends like they're celebrities. If anything, I know they are. I know you're a celebrity. I know I'm a celebrity. Like I, I'm a, I already speak to my friends as if, you know, we're already here and this is the bed podcast in the world and we're at a million views right now. Like I, I already see my people in this fashion. I just know the only thing between us and that is marketing. But mm, yeah, I, I, you know <laughs> what I mean? So, but I truly do believe that like, yeah, you got to start with your friends and those around you and see them as that. You know what I mean? Some of your friends are better than these celebrities. It's like, it's like what I was actually telling Randell this where I was saying that the definition of the best is considered the most popular. But yeah. people don't know the most popular is just the most money behind them. It yep. doesn't mean that they're the best talent. Mm-hmm. It's just if I'm an artist, right? And I'm a great artist. And if someone, if I have zero behind me and you have a million, well, mm-hmm. come on. You mm-hmm. have enough money to flood the market and also ensure that I don't have a fighting chance because. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you have to truly think about how much talented people. And I really feel like that's why we have to build as a community. Cause then if you see me doing something, you can be like, yo, Nathan, okay. I can link you with this. And I'm like, Hmm, what can I do? Yo, this opportunity came up. This would be great for you. You know? Mm-hmm. And then these people build. Cause even when you look at celebrities, they tend to have always been building with another artist and they always find themselves around that realm. Even watching mm-hmm. that Kanye West documentary. I don't know if you got a chance to see <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. Yep. I watched it. Right. And the, you know what showed me about that documentary is that, mm-hmm. These days, I, I can just say this off the bat, a lot of us haven't gone through anything when it comes to our dreams. You know what I'm trying to say? Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of us think that I posted, people didn't see it, I quit, right? Right. Now, mm-hmm. now think Kanye West, who struggled <laughs> to get signed on to a label. He realized the only way I'm going to get in is through these beats, even though I want to speak. Gave mm-hmm. the beats. Got signed to the label, still could not release the song, still could not release the album, couldn't even get a date, couldn't even get anything. 
had to take the money from, he, so he said, I sold t-shirts and I sold these to be able to pay for my own music video. Then I was taken seriously by Dame Dash. So to think that someone is as close as they're literally signed to a label, but they can't get it until that he took $80,000 of his own money and paid for it while signed to a label. Mm-hmm. And it goes to show you the struggle that people truly experience to get noticed, to get heard. So for those of us who are just posting and thinking that our lives are supposed to change tomorrow, <laughs> you'll at one point come to the conclusion that this is a lot of hard work. I'm wondering, is, is does talent matter anymore? Like when I look talent, into communities here yeah. in Toronto, like talent is abundant, you know? Um, but then I think of like who actually gets the attention and you know is is championed in the way that they deserve at the end of the day like talent is subjective because right. what mean you consider talented because someone else could be like that's terrible <laughs> um and i think like we're not no we're like we're not really going based off of talent we're going based off of clout you know what i mean like at the end of the day it's like a talented person it's hard to say they're not talented like it'll be very hard for me to do a spoken word poem or a dance or a rap or whatever. And for you to be like this, 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 it's worthy of a compliment, right? Mm-hmm. But I think what tends to happen is when you compliment someone like myself, it raises a question. Wait, why aren't you famous yet? And a lot of people, when they go through that, why aren't you famous moment? Purely because other people haven't validated you, they stop validating you as well. Like mm-hmm. a lot of people go through that concept where it's like, if, for example, if me and you had a shoe, and we were selling it. I would say the best thing me and you can do is tell our 10 workers to line up for the shoe. I bet you other people will just line up as well. <laughs> right. Just because they want to know why what's, are these people lining up? Right. <laughs> what's going on? So what I'm so my, my answer to that question is it's like if it was about talent, you would go out, you should you should be able to go on my page and I should have your followers and I should have a dope video. And you should just be focused on how dope I'm rapping. But we have a tendency, the second we see a post, followers, likes, comment, views. And then we, ta- we categorize people as important and not important. It's, we're hardwired like that. I don't blame ourselves. I think it's the way they've put celebrities in our heads that they're here and we're here. And, you know, so you can have the best talent in the world, but unless you have the numbers that match it, mm. people tend to not give you credibility. And now people go about that in different fashions, right? And it all goes back to marketing. You know what I mean? Right. A lot of people buy a lot of people buy followers. And I think the concept of buying followers has been shunned for years. And I understand it. But I think more and more people will realize your favorite celebrity has purchased followers. Right. Even if you look at it, if if a celebrity posts a YouTube video right now, in 10 seconds it's had a million views, you really think <laughs> that a million people seen it within the confines of 10 seconds? And then there's, if you look, if you refresh it even within those first minutes, there'll be like 50 comments. How did everybody see it in a minute? You know? Mm-hmm. But I think people do that because they want the credibility. This video is dope. Million views, it's validated. So this how video do we, dope. Yeah. Yeah. How do, no, we, yeah. How, how do we almost like decolonize our minds of celebrity culture? Do you think that it's kind of only going to get worse? Do we think that eventually we're going to get to a point where people wake up and, and look at who, you know, we deem as celebrities and see how drastically different 
their lifestyle is in comparison to what we live for me i i've never understood that i've never understood mm-hmm. the worshiping of celebrities don't get me wrong i think we can appreciate the work that they put out and their talents like at what point do we see it as harming ourselves and only setting us up for further failure as a society yeah. as a generation no i hear where you're coming from and i think like yo Unfortunately, the concept of making it in this industry is like so broad <laughs> that I don't even know where to go. And we do have an unrealistic expectation and standard. It's like we see a celebrity and want to be a celebrity. So we need their money, we need their views, and we don't even know what's real and what's not. We don't even know if they're playing on the fact that we think it's real. So we're invested, you know? And it's like what you said, you're living a lifestyle where you're under the poverty watching these artists I remember watching that 50 Cent music video. Um, man, you the window shopper, mad at me. I think I know why. Like, I remember watching that video and then even in the video, he's, he's buying a burger for $300. You know what I mean? He's buying a ring for a meal. Like, mm-hmm. and I'm looking at this like, oh my God, I want to be that, right? As a young mm-hmm. child. Right. Then you, grow, then you grow up and be like, is that chain really real? Is that really real? Do people really live like this? Because you're at Average lives off of 30% of their income. Mm. So 30% of their income cannot look like that. How are you becoming a millionaire spending 100%? Even millionaires who've, who, who've lived off of 100% of their income have gone flat out broke. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I think the best example of that is Scott Storch, who had millions. He said his month, he said month to month, he was spending a million dollars. And of course, at one point in his career, that really affected him poorly. So I think like, it's when you grow up, you're gonna kind of start associating reality to fake and then really realizing a lot of what you thought was real is not. And then most importantly, I think you just have to sit with yourself and say, what are the numbers I want? You know, Mm. how many comments do I want? What are the views that I want to see? And then be like, how do I get it? And then understand, when when you understand, look, your views, likes and comments have nothing to do with your talent. It has everything to do with your ability to market yourself. Mm. And without a team, you're like a walking army. And even myself as an individual, I know I'm impactful. I know I can do a lot. But when I have a team of people, oh man, that's, you can delegate tasks. They can tell you what's better, this, that, and third. Like you're just not going to build without a team, man. And I feel like artists go through it a lot because it's like, I can't just be a rapper. I got to figure out how to be a promoter how to, you know, like, I just got to, how to be a marketing, how to be a manager, how to, you got to do everything. Even you asked me to be on this podcast, I was a week late because I'm the only one managing my emails. So (laughs) it's like, it goes to show you the struggle of somebody who is an incredible artist Mm -hmm. and then they got to, but then they have to switch gears and become an incredible manager and manage their own career. Mm -hmm. It happens all the time. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't get to the point of managing their own career because they get dismotivated because mm-hmm. they truly built their confidence based off of people's validation or lack of validation of their content. So, so y'all, yeah. Nathan Baia needs a needs a manager, and uh, <laughs> they got to do it for free because we on a budget. So, <laughs> so I want to know for you though, you know, mm-hmm. as an artist you you wear so many different hats what has been the biggest lesson you've learned this year as an artist the biggest lesson I've learned this year as an artist is that I myself as well fell for that 
feeling of feeling underappreciated. But I never questioned my talent though. I always knew my talent was like top tier, but I knew that at one point I kind of grew up, I kind of grew out of the mentality that once again, that I'm just going to make a post, Drake is going to see it, shout me out, and my life is going to change tomorrow. Like I kind of, I kind of at one point started to say, okay, one, yo, real talks to any artist listening to this or any entrepreneur, get your life together mm. before you commit to being a full-time artist. Because you're like, I really realized like being an entrepreneur is a lifestyle and a lifestyle that requires a level of health. Like your bills have to be paid. You have to be organized. You have to have your budget. You have to really think things out in an adult fashion. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because so many of us are just, you know, running around with art, but your, your bills aren't paid. Lord knows when your phone bill got some love. Like it's just like, it's just like, yo, you you need to be good as an individual and then commit to that because then you're gonna be seeing things in a logical perspective. I've learned to disassociate myself from the mentality of I'm gonna put everything into this one video or into this one post and I'm and I don't know how I'm gonna make my money back. I don't know what my target like, you know. So mm -hmm. I've learned personally when it comes to my artistry to really think things out before I commit to something. And also, what is the social outcome I want from this to manage my expectations? Because I realized at 24, I could have easily said I'm done with everything and walked away from it all based off of what we were speaking about, defining your confidence based off of your progress. Because people will always be like, man, you're going to make it. Yo, it's, I see you going up, you know? And then it's like, it could feel like, damn, didn't someone said I was going to make it last year? Why didn't I make it last year? You can kind of get into your head, right? But I learned to manage my social expectations and outcomes. And I also learned that, you know, like I'm on my way. And as long as I market myself properly, things will go well for me. But most importantly, I'm just happy that I'm a person that I show love, I get love and, you know, and I'm glad I get love purely because I give love, not just mm -hmm. because... I'm a loving being, but be, like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm really happy about that, that I've, that God has allowed me to live a life where I've been able to just not fear to compliment people, support people, and people aren't afraid to do that for me neither. I, it, when I have an event, I truly see a room filled with love because it's only people on that vibe. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Yeah. I want to know before I let you go, what does the future of community building look like to you? You know, you've done so much work, you know, even if we were to look at the past two years through the pandemic, like you've put in so much work for the people yeah. around you. And I just wonder, you know, as things open up and we're able to kind of actually physically be near each other again, I just wonder mm -hmm. what you, you're envisioning, you know, for the months and years to come. Yeah, for sure. Um, so the first thing off the bat I'm going to tell you about is I'm going to have an event called Pandemic. I want to hear what everybody has penned throughout the pandemic. Mm, you know what I mean? That. Okay. Yeah, I mean, so I'm going to have an event entitled that, and it's just going to be an open mic where everybody gets a chance to share what they've learned in these last two years. Because mm. these last two years you've been home. Either mm. your relationship made it or it did not. <laughs> because, you know what I mean? Either you gave up on your hobbies or you didn't. You know what I mean? So, mm. because I remember when I put on an event, an in-person event in between when the lockdown wasn't happening, I got a chance to look into the room like, wow, it's been two years. 
Mm. I mean, it's been a year since I put on a, an event mm-hmm. and I'm still here. Mm-hmm. It, it was a moment for me where I'm like, wow, this is truly my journey because most people in a pandemic where art is restricted are not saying I'm going to go virtual, then I'm going to go back in person. They're just giving up altogether because there's no shows um, that, you know, but for me to put on a show, have a packed crowd and for, and then the craziest moment was artists started looking at themselves and saying, I'm still here. Mm-hmm. And it was great because it showed resilience. So for me to, now that we're, I guess, almost, almost done for me to have an event called pandemic, I feel like I've never had a, mu- a more discovery time in my life you know so i really i know i have a lot to share that i've had throughout the pandemic and i'm excited to hear what everybody else has shared and then from there i think we're just going to go forward with life you know mm-hmm. it felt like we were never going to get out of covid mm-hmm. um i think we're getting out of it now mm-hmm. and you know I, I but i do think though we're not just going to get past like we just go through two years of isolation you know what i mean mm-hmm. so i definitely want to have an event for people to open up about that. As far as other things in relation to the community, man, the whole nine, you know, workshops, events in person. And most importantly, I'm doing this new thing with James Speaks now called Song of the Week, where I'm just highlighting, you know, a song from a local artist. So community stuff is building, me, myself, you know, just look out for me because at the end of the day, I'm a man of the people, but I've, I've just like Randall, I've had to learn to balance between giving a voice to the voiceless, but honoring my voice as well, making mm-hmm. sure that just like you, you give, you work for with CBC and you highlight incredible stories there, but now you're saying, yo, I take that too. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so, so balance, you see? So, you know mm-hmm. I mean? so you have to just balance it out. So, but I, I, I definitely am looking forward to continuing to live a life full of purpose and seeing others around me do the same because I know we motivate each other. I know I motivate you when I post. I know you motivate me when you post because it reminds me, nah, mans are putting in work. I'm not going to quit on my dreams while you didn't quit on yours. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, it's a constant reminder, like, nah, like, okay, cool. I got it. I got to get back on it. You know what I mean? So iron sharpens iron. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yes, exactly. Oh my gosh. This has been such a great conversation. Thank you so know. much for taking the time for the show. Cause I know you're a really busy guy. I have to <laughs> jump through hoops to get a hold of you. I'm not mad about it. Cause it made me want a little bit more. <laughs> so thank you so much and honestly i wish the best to you james street speaks and i can't wait to see what you guys do next of course thank you so much for having me i appreciate it thank you to nathan baia for sharing his insight about supporting local before global he's amazing you guys can follow him on instagram at nathan.com you can follow the podcast on instagram at future people podcast and you can find me at imani walker imani with two a's thank you so much for tuning in i hope you all enjoyed it stay tuned for the next episode take care